to the latest episode of Pride Pals, the show where, well it's a podcast, the podcast where I, entertainment writer Alex Ewing, sit down with some friends to chat about queer entertainment. Today I am learning about the voguing and ballroom community and the brilliant HBO show Legendary with arts and science student Mary McHarg. Legendary is a voguing reality competition television series that follows nine houses as they compete at nine balls for a prize of $100,000 and legendary status. The show premiered in May of this year and although it hasn't finished yet, it has been widely praised for its diversity and for bringing new people into the ballroom scene. Mary teaches me how voguing works and we discuss the importance of this show for queer people and queer spaces. And with that, let's dive right in. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, officially. Thank you. To Pride Pals. Wow. How are you? I'm so honoured to be in this virtual <laughs> online space. That I yeah, I'm branding it myself as that now. We're a we're a queer online space. That's it. We just chat. This is it. This is about it. About gay things. <laughs> Honestly, you've done well for yourself with that branding. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> anyway. So today on this episode we are talking about voguing and the hbo's new show legendary before we get into all of that i wanted to ask you how did you get into voguing how did you learn about it do you do it just tell me your history wowie well i i would be lying if i said i haven't voguing before uh, was it good hmm that's a good question uh <laughs> but no i think I kind of, I've always been a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. Since, like, Mm -hmm. season five, season six, I started watching it, like, religiously. And then uh, whenever there was, like, a, a, oh, no, what's it called? A lip sync. uh, I would Mm -hmm. always be like, this dancing is crazy. What are all these spins? What on earth is a death drop? And then from that, I kind of, my YouTube recommended immediately became voguing competitions and I was very confused. And then I did some research and I was very intrigued. Um, So yeah, it kind of all went from there. And then this year, I think I followed Jamila Jamil on Twitter and she tweeted, oh, this is a show that I'm hosting now. It's about voguing, and I, I was like, I know what that is. I have done that once or twice while drunk. This is a show I will watch. Um, but yeah, it kind of started with drag for me, which is a bit weird. I mean, I think that's, at least nowadays, because I, I did a little research before this episode, because voguing, <laughs> as I said earlier, I'm out of my depth when it comes to that. Um, I, I've been to one club in my 20 20- almost 21 years of existence. I, I don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Not everyone's tough. Um, yeah. But so I was learning about uh, the history of voguing and how it began in the 1920s. And I guess everything I know about voguing comes from 
documentaries like Paris is Burning and mm. things like that. Um, but it's definitely coming back into the mainstream. And I think RuPaul's Drag Race has a lot to do with that, as well as other shows like Pose. Mm. But what... <laughs> Do you want to explain what Legendary is? Like, how does this show work? I I certainly do. So, Legendary is kind of a reality show, competition show fusion, uh, a la RuPaul's Drag Race. But instead of looking at drag queens and drag culture, it's specifically about voguing and ballroom culture. So, uh, at the beginning, they started, I think, with nine different houses. So within voguing and ballroom, uh, there are these houses which form, uh, which are very much like familial groups, uh, which compete together. Mm -hmm. They share the house name. uh, They go to ballrooms together. And houses often have very tense rivalries with other houses. So uh, within Legendary, they started with nine. And every week they uh, have to compete in various ballroom walks ballroom uh, challenges and one house uh, leaves every week depending on how they do until there are two houses at the end and then the winner of the entire show wins a hundred thousand dollars which is a very nice cash prize it is what sort of challenges are there because like i said voguing to me i don't know what there is (laughs) (laughs) that's all right so uh there are lots of different challenges, but they're all kind of based on what you would actually see in a ballroom if you went mm-hmm. to a ball. Um, so often you'll see people walking in uh, basically mm-hmm. themes. So uh, each ball usually has a general theme, like uh, one of the latest ones is Intergalactic. They Ooh. had one which was uh, Circus Berserkus. Uh, and if you're walking... Yes, it's very fun. Uh, Lots of very over-the-top categories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're walking in a category, usually what that means is uh, you have to walk, like you're walking a catwalk or a runway, uh, and your entire outfit has to be perfectly to theme. You have to be in character, as in, like, you fully embody the character of whatever you're wearing. So they had, like, a Wild Wild West one, and they had people walking... uh, walking like a a hot sheriff category (laughs) which was it was incredible to say the least um but yeah so you just have to be in character in costume and usually uh depending on the category you might have to do some dancing some voguing you might have to show off your face to the judges um yeah there are loads of different types of category like there's literally just face which is just your face whatever you're wearing has to accentuate your features mm-hmm. you have to like you get marked or judged on your bone structure your teeth how you oh, wow. look it's faces are very yeah it's like some of them are quite intense mm-hmm. some are less so so like you might get a classic voguing walk uh, or a voguing category where you have to vogue and you have to show off the five categories of vogue but you also have to stay within theme. So you might be voguing in a dress that uh, converts into a giant cowboy hat, as one <laughs> contestant did, which was so good, was so incredible. Um, it was insane. And he did the thing. He fully, he did the five, he 
wow, I need to compose my thoughts. He did the five, like, five categories of Vogue. He fully... My jaw was on the floor (laughs) watching that dress become a cowboy hat and back again, fully. But yeah, it's there's a lot of dancing, a lot of colour. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. That sounds incredible. And I, I want to see that. It's so good. So you're talking about the... Uh, not the categories, the five... Uh, elements of voguing. Yeah, what what are the five elements of voguing? I'm presuming things like walking? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. So um, the five elements are floor performance, which is... Uh, as it sounds, like you're on the floor doing sexy things on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. Spins and dips is another one. So that's literally spinning. And then uh, what drag queens usually call death drops, that's called a dip in Vogue culture. Um, so spins and dips is another one. Duck walking is an element. So duck walking is, uh, you might have seen it before mm-hmm. when people like, go down like they're almost doing that russian dancing thing where they're squatting but they're walking (laughs) as they're squatting that's duck walking it's takes a lot of core it's hard um catwalking which is basically just walking but as if you're on a catwalk so you know lots of sass and uh hands so hand performance is kind of uh it's the main element of voguing which has stayed the same throughout like voguing history lots of really intricate hand movements lots of spinning your hands together making weird shapes uh yeah so those are the five elements that sounds really interesting uh going back a little so we were talking about the the nine houses that are in legendary i know that a lot of people are quite happy about how they are quite diverse houses um which i think relates to voguing culture historically would you agree about that yeah so i mean most of the voguing houses especially the ones well the most famous ones in new york at least have always been like very diverse in terms of uh most if not all of the members are people of color they're not cisgender, uh, they're, you know, it's it's always been a very diverse scene. I think mainly because of uh, the fact that most of the people that found themselves in houses were people that had been kicked out of their own homes. And usually uh, that happened to a high degree in uh, homes of people of colour. So naturally houses became very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... As time's gone on, uh, there have been more white people and more cisgender people that have joined houses, but it's there's still this really inclusive community and very diverse community, which is mm-hmm. really nice to see. And like, uh, I think compared to most other queer spaces, at least that I've seen, they're some of the most diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really nice and refreshing because oftentimes in other media, whenever there's like a queer character on screen, they're usually white and or cisgender. So it's it's really nice and refreshing to see, you know, that houses have remained so diverse since their inception, really. It's quite nice. Do you think that 
that sense of diversity that is like so inherently tied to voguing and ballroom culture is one of the things that draws you and audiences to shows like legendary oh for sure uh uh yeah i mean (laughs) when i was watching like drag race it was amazing to see this section of gay culture that i hadn't really been exposed to before but the majority of the queens uh, that were on the seasons that I watched uh, primarily uh, were white. And uh, as someone who is mixed race and a person of colour, I always find it hard to find shows that, like, uh, or characters in shows or people in shows that I can really relate to on a personal level mm-hmm. um so watching legendary and watching clips online from different voguing shows and ball shows uh it was really kind of i don't know it was it's hard to describe the feeling of seeing someone that looks like you voguing or doing something that's incredibly queer mm-hmm. uh so like there's the house of ninja uh which uh n- today is a really international house uh, and it's the only house on the show that's just cisgender women uh, which is already rare in terms Mm -hmm. of the ballroom scene but it's also uh, a team of cisgender women who are from all across the world Um, so they've got their house mother is uh, Italian their one of their best voguers is from Japan uh like they're everyone's from every corner of the world but they've kind of become this symbol of uh southeast asian like uh excellence almost uh which is kind of ironic since their founder was uh this black man who uh chose the word ninja for the house name because he wanted the house to embody the spirit of like a ninja precise fast moving and now people from southeast asia have actually joined the ninja the house of ninja which is really kind of wild and Mm -hmm. circular and kind of funny um but yeah like house of ninja especially for me is like wow people that are like me can belong in this community and Mm -hmm. can can do these queer things so it's it's very fun and just nice yeah it's it's nice to have shows that represent you and it's nice to have shows that are not all the same like i don't think legendary has there's no show like legendary maybe you've got rupaul but that's has a very different tone that has a very different feel you have shows like pose which you know same sort of subject but it's you know a show a fictional a fictional show about voguing whereas this is this is just voguing yeah. and it it seems to be so diverse which is why i do actually really want to watch this <laughs> yeah it's it, it's it's such a breath of fresh air honestly um mm-hmm. with the other queer media that we have this is so so different it's just and it's so real and like the Oftentimes I hate reality TV for the little, you know, the the sections they have in the, the confessionals where they talk to people one-on-one. I usually hate those bits. Mm-hmm. But when they do the kind of confessional in Legendary, it's less of a confessional setting because they're filmed 
like in the tiny snippets of time between their performances on the stage um so it's it's so much more real and you're you just get to talk to these these people who have been uh, who are so passionate about what they do and you can see it in the way that they're like fully exhausted after every single performance and can <laughs> barely talk to the camera and the way that the houses are mm-hmm. so like it's rare to do a confessional where like the house mother and the other people in the house aren't just crowding in to say well done like you did amazing it's it's just it's very refreshing and so nice to watch yeah also looking at the the judges for the show it seems to be uh really diverse you have mm. Jamila Jamil who i know had caused a bit of controversy when uh, when she joined the show yeah. or announced that she was part of the show, um, which I don't know whether we should discuss or not, because I know people have issues with Jamila Jamil anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, the discourse was very strange to me. Uh, and, yeah, I, I mean, we can discuss it if you want, uh, but honestly, it didn't amount to much in my eyes yeah i think to put it in a like very quick summary because now we've spoken we've brought it up we may as well um yeah uh, yeah <laughs> when she announced that she was part of the show many people kind of said that she didn't really belong in this space or at least that she didn't fully click uh as it's a very it's a it's a queer space and you know she had mm. never done anything like this and she hadn't uh, she was not like a publicly uh, queer figure and following that she mm. did come out I believe uh, she came out as bisexual uh, a little bit uh, like uh, kind of after most of the uproar on social media mm-hmm. uh, and the main thing she said was that she didn't feel as if she should have been she didn't feel as if she needed to validate the reason why she should have been allowed to be a judge on the show. Uh, but, you know, to mostly quell, I think, the the masses, she mm-hmm. kind of, she came out, which I feel was, yeah, I have, I have mixed issues, mis- mixed feelings on the issue, honestly. Um, but yeah, on the show, she's, she's doing well. <laughs> um, uh, what, what is she actually like on the show? Honestly, it's kind of... Um, she's very British. She's got a very British accent, and that's my main problem with her on the show, which is kind of... It's not a problem. We love a British accent. Mm-hmm. I have a British accent, you have one. Mm-hmm. But on a show which is um, very distinctly about um, American queer culture, an American ballroom, it's uh, going back and forth from the judges and then suddenly hearing a very proper English accent speak up is kind of jarring. <laughs> But yeah. uh, honestly, she's. I enjoy her on the show. Like she, she fits right in with the judges, and they all seem to really like each other and get along, um, which is really nice. That's great. I think I imagine that she is quite uh, a good way of sort of. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's she's a good kind of guide for people who are new to the Vogue culture, considering she too yeah. is new to the Vogue culture. And when it does exactly legally come to the UK. Um, I think <laughs> she will be a useful um, 
kind of tool for the audience members, which hopefully it does come to the UK. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I mean, most of her um, dialogue in in the show is kind of introducing the judges and then asking questions to them because they're all they're all um, you know have various bits of knowledge of queer culture mm-hmm. or fashion or whatever or whatever um so it's it's a lot of her asking like Leomi uh, what are the five elements of vogue that our audience need to look out for mm-hmm. it's a lot of stuff like that which uh, honestly does help make the show more accessible to a wider audience because you have a literal uh, a judge who you can put yourself in the place of uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know if you don't know much about voguing yeah. Um, so you just briefly mentioned one of the other judges, uh, Leonie Maldonado. Mal- Maldonado. Maldonado. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, who is a transgender actor, an activist, model, um, who I had never come across until now, which is really cool. Also, <laughs> Law Roach, who is a stylist, and Megan the Stallion, which I don't know why I found yes, kind of amusing. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion is just a incredible name. Mm-hmm. Good, good job, mm-hmm. good job with that. Um, but yeah, no, she's big rapper, uh, very famous, mm-hmm. honestly an icon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all all of the judges, I think, whoever picked the judges for the show did a pretty good job, especially with Laomi. Mm-hmm. Um, so Laomi is uh literally an icon she has legendary status within ballroom culture which is legendary status isn't just uh like a metaphor it's a literal like title so when you're introduced in balls you're introduced as legendary Leomi Maldonado um so she's kind of a a giant figure point in voguing culture mm-hmm. uh, and she's if you go and search her up on youtube you can see thousands of videos of her just absolutely killing it in balls um so yeah i'm so happy they got laomi on because i i knew of her before the show from my uh, various nights of watching voguing videos <laughs> until 4 a.m um but yeah she's laomi especially i'm a big fan of that's really interesting i didn't realize that legendary status was something um more than just kind of just a word that you can kind of claim like a sort of intangible thing but like it's really interesting that that there's that holds a lot more value for the community and for the culture that's really cool yeah and it, it's it's you know it's fun that they named the show that as well because you know mm-hmm. especially when you've good name once you become aware of the voguing culture yeah good naming job <laughs> um but yeah no like um when you become more aware of the culture, like there are these little things about the show that you kind of, you get to appreciate even more uh, because they really, the show producers really did their, uh, their homework. Mm-hmm. Also, um, as part of the cast, I guess you would say, is uh, Deshaun Wesley as Master of Ceremonies. Yes, you're correct. Deshaun himself. <laughs> Deshaun is a true icon. Can you explain what a master of ceremonies is? <laughs> I can try. Um, so the master of ceremonies, at least in ballroom culture, is the person with the mic. 
they announce every category. While the category is going, you'll usually have like really bassy electronic music, mm-hmm. and the MC will um kind of freestyle on top of it. Not freestyle rap though. More just repeating words. Maybe the person's name who's currently uh, on the stage. Maybe uh you know phrase a phrase of encouragement that they're just repeating it's kind of hard to explain but the mc's voice becomes like part of the soundtrack for the whole event mm-hmm. um it's more than just you know announcing who's coming up next uh if you go and listen to or watch any literally any voguing video from any ballroom you will hear the mc uh kind of speaking on top of the music but after a while you kind of the music and the MC blend, if it's a good MC at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Deshaun is uh, very iconic in ballroom circles. He does a lot of the MCing for uh, kind of big ballroom shows, or he did. Uh, he did. He was an MC for uh, this dance competition show called Street Star a while ago, um, which had a full voguing section to it oh. uh, and he did all the emceeing for that yeah he's like he's been doing it for a while um but yeah he's really good on legendary actually he's he's got a nice good clear voice and is very good at spitting nonsense <laughs> on top of the tracks that's really interesting so voguing i kind of gather is it's a lot more than just the dancing and would you so you say Legendary is really good at depicting that? Because it seems that from everything from the mm. sort of the setup, because um, I watched a few of the actual competitions and uh, the way they're sort of staged with that very plain kind of, I guess, a catwalk, like a very wide catwalk um, with the mm. just audience members around it seems to be quite no frills and just focusing on the dancing and the music yeah i it's the setup of the show and the even the design of the show is very no frills and simple because in balls balls are very no frills and simple uh most balls are just held in like a giant hall space and everyone's crammed in and the catwalk is made not by some raised platform but just by people parting out of the way so they can form a kind of uh, like aisle for people to walk in mm-hmm. like if there is a raised stage people are clambering up on that stage people are, are crammed in there like it's it's ballroom is a very no frills just give me a catwalk and i will i will be the show we don't need curtains we don't need decoration we are the curtains and decoration mm-hmm. it's it's very much of that kind of vibe so uh, yeah the show the show does well to kind of uh, repackage ballroom in a, a, a easily televisable format. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it glitzes it up just enough to where people will be interested in watching it, but not to the point where it's no longer ballroom. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people are interested in watching voguing and, and you know, should be interested in watching voguing? Uh, that's a good question. Um... I'm not entirely sure. I think there's something about voguing and generally ballroom categories like face and like walking, which 
you have to be so confident to do it. There's a confidence which comes from everyone that's in each of the houses Mm -hmm. that you don't really see in other places. I'm not entirely sure how to describe it. Like, I think it helps that voguing is this very kind of different dance style Mm -hmm. where it doesn't really look like much else it's kind of acrobatic it's got points where you might think they're posing for like a magazine cover and then they do like a backwards roll and jump onto their teammates (laughs) and they fling them around like it's like crazy and high energy and you just everyone in it looks and feels so confident in themselves Mm -hmm. and I think that's that's a really like admirable quality in them that I think, you know, everyone wants to be confident in themselves. And when you're watching someone do something so crazy uh, and so um, different to what you're used to and are so, you know, confident in themselves and who they are and what they're doing and what they look like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you can't really help but watch because it, they're so sure of who they are in that moment. Yeah, I think actually you touched on something really interesting and I think probably is why or a way voguing is so important in the queer community is that a lot of queer people don't feel confident in themselves um you know people take years to come to terms with their uh sexual orientation their gender identity their things that some people never really even become uh, comfortable with and confident in so I guess voguing is a really fun way to say, uh, look, if they can be queer and know that they are the shit, why can't I? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, it, I think that's everything. That's the whole thing. That's that's exactly what voguing is. It's it literally like early voguing came from uh, people imitating poses on magazines because, you know, models on magazines they look like the shit. They are the shit. They know they're the mm-hmm. shit. Uh, and when you're imitating that, you you make yourself feel as as empowered as the people in the magazines who are beautiful and stunning. So, you know, I mean, that's... Voguing literally came about, at least in my eyes, how I see it. Voguing came about from people wanting to feel empowered in themselves. Mm-hmm. And firstly, imitating people who looked like they were empowered in themselves... And then it just it evolved from there, and now it's this beautiful new whole crazy thing, mm-hmm. which you know is is kind of crazy and beautiful and high energy and weird and <laughs> queer people own it. It's great. It is. <laughs> I know that voguing is kind of segueing off legendary here, but um, hey, okay. I know that there are lots of places you can go and watch voguing in multiple cities. I just popped to London in my head because that's the city I know. Have you ever experienced live voguing? I haven't experienced a proper ball live, which is immensely sad and I must see a true ball ASAP. But I have seen <laughs> quite a few people vogue in like in front of my face. Um, there's someone in UCL actually who uh like fully she's crazy at voguing i forgotten her name but i i saw her <laughs> once at one of the bars and she did a full voguing set on the stage and i nearly cried it was beautiful um but yeah uh 
I personally have not gone to a ball yet. Keyword. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. Then the world settles down. We can all go back again. <laughs> now we'll go back to Legendary because I'm a professional who knows how to podcast properly. 100%. Um, <laughs> are there any other houses within... So there are the nine houses. You mentioned House of Ninja as being uh, made up entirely of cis women. Are mm. there any other houses that kind of jump out to you for diversity or for style or for anything? Ooh. Like, who's your favourite? T- tell tell me all. Oh, Who goodness. are you rooting for? Okay, you're making me you're making me do some difficult decisions right here. You ooh, one cannot one <laughs> cannot simply rank the houses of ballroom culture. Um, oh, I mean they're not they're not my like top top all time favorite, but the house of gorgeous Gucci is kind of iconic. Like that's a great name. Um, it's a really good name, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, they're they're a very they're a very fashion forward house if you can tell by their name gorgeous gucci <laughs> um but yeah they they're known very much for their looks especially in legendary they show off some crazy beautiful looks um but also they've got these crazy incredible vogues who can really do their thing although hmm let me think. Wait, I. What's. Oh, wait. There's there's one particular Voga that's shown on Legendary that's absolutely insane. Uh, I think. Yeah, I'm right. Okay. So, the House of Lanvin, or Lanvin. Um, yeah, the House of Lanvin is how it's pronounced in the show, but it's based on the French uh, fashion designer Lanvin. Um, has this one voga called Michaela. Michaela is incredible. Michaela Lanvin, truly, I have never seen someone so just insane. Like, I feel like she has springs built into her boots. It's incredible. <laughs> like, there was a particular battle she did where she fully did like backward handsprings, immediately into a forward flip, like all in eight inch stripper heels. What? I did not, could not understand. It was insanity. She went and did a dip immediately afterwards, straight into more front rolls and head spins. And Michaela Lanvin, shout, basically, big shout out to Michaela Lanvin. <laughs> I love you. I want to be you. <laughs> like. Truly, it was incredible and insane. Um, but yeah, oh god, are there any other? Ha- I mean, just all of them are really like iconic. I can't lie; they're just very good. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what you want to hear. You want to see all these great vogas and icons. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like it's you get to see all these vogas and houses at the top of their game which is insanity mm-hmm. if you've never seen it before like especially watching a voguing battle for the first time it's it's kind of almost hard to like see where to focus your eyes on mm-hmm. but like that's kind of whole, a whole part of the appeal uh it, 
the fact that it's so crazy and high energy and there are lights everywhere and someone's just done a backflip and oh move your face this person just did two front handsprings into a dip uh you know that's that's kind of the appeal of it all yeah something that looking at all the different houses um in legendary and the people involved something that i think is really cool about voguing and legendary is that the voguing dancers aren't split uh sorry aren't just women whether trans or cisgendered you have mm. you know non-binary people you have men and I, I, I know there's a sort of stereotype within the queer culture that gay men you know are effeminate and therefore are more likely to dance and stuff but some of the the guys you see on the show are f- further than you can imagine from that sort of stereotype which I think again goes back to mm just how cool it is and that the show is so diverse and this culture is so diverse. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's another point towards the diversity of it all and how, you know, this, this show is generally just more proof that diversity can only do good things in TV shows. It, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it helps break down some of the stereotypes that you have about queer people and it, also introduces you to a whole new kind of section of queer culture which hasn't been explored much at all in mainstream media mm-hmm. as i say that as much as queer culture is ever explored in mainstream media mm-hmm. but you know one of the main reasons i'm so happy that legendary has been made is that it's bringing forward this very kind of it's not a private community but it's a very it's kind of uh voguing is a a hard thing to kind of a be introduced to let alone uh fully like embed yourself in Mm -hmm. like there are so many queer people that i know who have no idea what voguing is um they might know they know what lip syncing is or they've seen a lip sync or something but they have no idea that many of the moves in drag shows and lip syncs came from voguing. Um, Mm -hmm. I literally, I got to introduce voguing to someone yesterday um, who had no idea what it was. Uh, Yeah, like it's kind of, it's, I forget sometimes that it's not this very mainstream gay gay media, queer media thing. Um, So I'm just, I'm really happy that something is bringing it out into the light for more people to be introduced to because so much of uh queer queer media and queer people and queer everything stems from ballroom culture Laomi Maldonado actually said that in one of the first few episodes I think it was her I it was probably her she's a she's legendary she's an icon I trust it was her um but (laughs) yeah she said something along the lines of um everything amazing that you see today I mm-hmm. guarantee will have come from somewhere in ballroom culture like even things that aren't oh I just popped my knuckle even things that aren't actively queer lots of things in fashion for example have come from ballroom culture loads of the words we use today in casual vernacular they come from ballroom culture like it's 
it's it's an incredibly important section of history that I'm glad is getting some some more attention, more so than just you know Paris is Burning, which came out in the nineties. I I know that um, when it comes to voguing, I know loads of people who think that it's from Madonna, who obviously wrote the song Vogue and in the video, Vogued. That sounds weird in past tense. Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I think shows like this are kind of, I don't know if reclaiming is the right word because I think it had already been reclaimed, but it's kind of doing it uh, even more and bringing it to even more people, which, yeah, is really important. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure. You know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, big yes. <laughs> like if I if my timelines are right, I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, more than pretty sure. Voguing culture had been around for ages. Madonna, you know, uh, picked bits of voguing culture to use in like her mm-hmm. voguing video. Um, so it's just that's just one example of it being used in popular media and not many people knowing where it came from. So it's, you know, I'm I'm just so glad that it's getting the acknowledgement that it's been due for a very long yes, time. Definitely. Um So this show only came out like a couple of months ago, I believe, and I'm not sure if it has been confirmed to be having a second series, but hopefully hopefully it will. Fingers crossed. Um cuz I Hopefully. And also fingers crossed that either Sky brings it out in Big the UK. Big fingers crossed. Or, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it needs to be accessible everywhere. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> Someone bring it over? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I fully agree. Like, it's, oh, it's a really incredible show. And not showing it to as many people as possible is a crime, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're coming to a, a quite a nice conclusion. So before we go, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a hard question for you. Can you tell me another oh, sort of standout moment? We've had the the dress turning into a cowboy hat. What what's another standout memory <laughs> or, or I, iconic moment from oh. the series in your opinion? Okay. Okay, how how spoilery do we want to go? Because I've got one non-spoilery one and one quite spoilery one. How about we have them both? We'll start with the non-spoiler, then we'll have a spoiler warning. Okay. And then we'll spoil. <laughs> okay, okay. So, non-spoiler. The House of Ninja do an absolutely incredible group voguing uh, category where they're all dressed as like gladiators nice oh no even better that one's incredible they do one like a week after where they're all they all come on stage in like uh giant overcoats and big cowboy hats and the music in the background narrates these five outlaws who are on the run uh five males shoot on sight and as then suddenly the music kicks up and they all throw away their hats and their huge like jackets and they're wear they're like the hottest cowgirls you've ever seen and they do an absolutely impeccable group vogue like group catwalk 
It's impeccable. My jaw was on the floor. House Ninja. Oh boy. They have some good moments. That sounds great. That's the non-spoilery one. <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, but yes, spoilery one. Mm-hmm. Michaela Lanvin, who I have mentioned before, mm-hmm. ends up in the bottom two with a... I can't remember which other house she was voguing against, and I'm incredibly sorry because he did a crazy job. Um but there is this full voguing battle that Michaela does against this guy and it is the most breathtaking, incredible, awe-inspiring, truly heart-stopping thing I've ever seen. I I have never felt more like I'm about to have a heart attack. Um, I felt terrified for both of these poor people who had to do this. At the end, they were both like fully like sobbing. Like they, they went to like both of their houses at the end and like mm-hmm. the amount of emotion on that stage Michaela Michaela did the job and Michaela won it for her house but at the emotional cost of it my lord <laughs> that sounds a lot in the best way <laughs> it's it's so much it's the most it's incredible <laughs> Well, I guess it goes to show how important voguing is to people and how, yeah. it's, you know, that's being spread through this show. I mean, yeah, for sure. But with that nice, positive message, I guess, I think I think we can wrap up. Is there anything else you'd like to add about Legendary? Uh, I mean, everyone go watch Legendary. Um, it's great. <laughs> Go go watch some voguing videos on YouTube. You'll be introducing yourself to an amazing, beautiful culture, and you won't regret it. Fantastic. Uh, well, Fantastic. thank you so much for joining. Thank you. I've had a great time. And that was episode four of Pride Pals. Thank you so, so much for listening. It really means a lot. If you enjoyed this and would like to keep an ear out for more chats about queer entertainment, then please be sure to give me a follow and be sure to follow me at Alex underscore Dewing on Twitter for all the news about Pride Pals. Be sure to join us next time when we'll be talking about something queer. That's all you get to know. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.